Hey, everybody, welcome into the conversation where we intend to destigmatize the conversation around cannabis and set the record straight regarding this powerful plant. I'm your host, Dave Briggs, former CNN, NBC Sports, and Fox News anchor and host at Turner Sports. We, of course, want to have some fun along the way. And one trend we're seeing across the country that sure is helping in that destigmatizing conversation is high profile former athletes literally jumping into the cannabis industry, in particular from the NBA. In fact, in September, two players will be inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame that are current cannabis company owners and or endorsers. You talk about coming full circle. That is an exciting development, and we sure are thrilled to welcome one of those future Hall of Famers just a couple of months away, a 10-time All-Star NBA champ, the finals MVP that season. The truth, Paul Pierce, my man joining us from his house in California. Also, Shivani Dallas, the Chief Strategy Officer at Hubcraft, and she joins us from Arizona. Good to see you both. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's going very well. It's good to see you, Paul. I haven't seen you since my days in Boston. It, that's been a, a long, long time, but you still look like you could lace them up. So a big announcement <laughs> in the Boston Globe regarding the partnership between you and Hubcraft. Paul, tell us about it. Yeah, you know, you know, I've been in conversations with a lot of people over the years about, you know, um, pushing the brand in Boston and doing some things, and it just wasn't the right partnership until I came across Hubcraft and you know we had a few conversations a few lunch meetings and I just thought it was uh it just felt right and uh you know with with Hubcraft and myself I just feel like they're on the cutting edge on on changing lives uh, in the city of Boston that's where you know everything will start for me and hopefully move across uh the nation but uh it, it just seems like the perfect partnership and I, I love the professionalism I love their uh, their vision uh, of the future. And uh, I'm looking forward to a long and, and great relationship with them. Back in green in more ways than one. Were you <laughs> hesitant to fully embrace a cannabis business? The stigma is still there, especially regarding high profile guys like yourself. Were, were you hesitant to really jump in? Um, You know, I, I think I've been in a business, uh, even when I was playing, you know, I was like a, uh, I owned, I was a secret angel investor in the cannabis space, but, you know, because of the stigma with cannabis and sports and, you know, the people who are, who are not knowledgeable to, to what it really is and it really, really does to you as an athlete, uh, people frown upon it. You know, they're like, oh, cause people look at it as, oh, you, you know, you're smoking marijuana, but they don't understand. That's not the only way you can consume, uh, uh the plant. You know, and everybody's like, well, you play sports and you smoke, but listen, you know, until you get a better understanding uh, and what uh, a pro professional athlete goes through every day with their, with their minds and their bodies and, <laughs> and dealing with team doctors, uh, until you become more knowledgeable about that, mm -hmm. you can't speak on, you know, which direction we want to go with our medication. And that's the that's what I want to really preach out because I was an avid user when I played because I, I didn't trust a lot of the pills and you get addicted to a lot of the pain meds and uh, 
you know, there could be a, a long-term side effects, which we've seen with former athletes. And I haven't seen that with the marijuana plant. And, and so, you know, I've become fully invested. Uh, I'm a big believer in it. And I, and I see now currently that the, the sports world is becoming more and more accepted uh, of, the, of it. And uh, it, it's, it's the now and the future. Yeah, I mentioned two Hall of Famers, yourself and Chris Weber. Last week, we talked to Calvin Johnson, the future Hall of Famer in the NFL, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. So I think the three of you really represent a, a huge change in momentum. Shivani, why were you interested in Paul? I mean, there are a lot of guys out there. What is it about Paul and his brand and his authenticity and the way he played the game that attracted you to him? I think, Dave, you hit it right on the head. There's a lot of celebrity names out there that want to be a part of this, but we really wanted to align with somebody where our ethos lines up. We want to be in sync as far as where our vision is taking this company. Um, we are not interested in just putting a name on a brand. We're interested in somebody who is committed to being a creative partner with us. He has a very humbling story as to why he got into the business. And at the end of the day, he is our right hand when it comes to helping people identify what is the real drug. We have named marijuana a drug for a very long time. And I'm going to challenge yeah. that all day long. The real drug is what's being factory lab created. And the doctors are pushing one on top of another. Big Pharma has had such a hold on this industry for so long. And... You know, for people like Paul, who were, they were in an industry where they used their bodies daily, um, challenged their bodies to the point where we, the normal folks, just don't do that. Imagine what that does to your body. Imagine not being able to close your eyes at night. Imagine waking up in pain and living in pain and then yeah. being expected to function. It, it's absolutely ridiculous that that is what we expect somebody to put their body through, yet you give them something plant-based, and then you put the stigma on the person. That's, I mean, it's pretty incredible. It is what it is, but we're ready to voice our opinion. We're ready to challenge and take on the naysayers for this. This truly yeah. is going to help and revolutionize pain medication and pain tolerance moving forward. Well, I'm with you. I think people like Paul getting into the business, but I think conversations like the one we're having can yes. help where, look, Paul and I come from opposite ends of the country and the world and had different different uh, surroundings. We grew up in completely different environments and, uh -huh. and we still exist, but we both agree on one thing and that is medicinal power. And look, I obviously enjoyed for recreational purposes and in fact am right now, but medicinally, I think the, the stigma really needs to change. Paul, Calvin Johnson and his partner, Rob Sims, told us about almost a candy-like atmosphere of painkillers in the NFL. Was it that way in the NBA? Oh, my God, absolutely. And, you know, at times, you don't even know what you're taking. I, I mean, uh, it's just like you tell them what's the problem, and, you know, every doctor feels like they have the solution. The problem is you go to one doctor, they give you one solution. You go to another doctor, they, they have a different solution. And it's like, man, you know, who do you trust in all of this? You know, when you see players who, who, who deal with injuries and surgeries and, and sleep apnea and stress and anxiety, like you said, it's a candy store. It's just that you go to these doctors and they have, and, and who knows what the long-term effects of all of this is. Yeah. I'm taking multiple different pills for multiple <laughs> different ailments that I have. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. if I could just go to one plant, <laughs> 
right. it solves that can solve the problem of many issues that's more trustworthy and knowing something that I can't overdose on. Yep. Or when I long term effects, then that's when the route I broke I my take. back. As a, sorry to interrupt. Uh, when <laughs> I broke my back as a young man, I was surprised at how easy it was to get Vicodin refills, even as a 16 year old kid. Wow. And at some point, I realized, wow, this probably isn't real good for me. And I think it was when, when I saw Brett Favre actually had become addicted. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely. So, Shivani, can you tell us what to expect from the Truth brand? I mean, are we talking a strain? Are we talking a pen? Are we talking topicals? Give us the lineup. Oh, and when will we see it? <laughs> so, Paul, that's, that's his thing. He's been perfecting a strain in Southern California for a while. He has a growth facility down there. He is not brand new to the business. And he's actually very well educated in the plant itself and its its qualities. So um, you're going to see vapes, you're going to see the actual flower. The flower will be in 2022. Prior to that Q4 of this year, we plan on releasing um, edibles, um, just different things that he has been a part of putting recipes together on that are not in the Massachusetts market right now. And we are working with some of the best, uh, you know, um, with some of the best recipe makers out there that are very well known for what they do as well. And you will see edibles, you will see vapes, you will see uh, topicals. Um, you are going to see all of it little by little as we roll it out. Um, I want to emphasize quantity is not Paul's agenda. He wants quality. He wants Absolutely. a clean, yeah, he wants a clean product. And um, that is, that's our focus for him. Paul, tell us about how you've been getting your hands dirty out there in Southern California with the cultivation and, and which of those products, what will really set them apart from all the others in the industry? Well, you know, uh, like I said, I have a growth facility. Right now, I'm in the middle of a process uh, with the tissue culture and developing my strain actually on the flower side. And, uh, you know, just making sure all the right things go into it that, that, that help, you know, not only myself, but can help many other people dealing with the issues that they deal with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, everybody knows my story uh, when I was stabbed back in the early 2000s and I dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety. And right now, I'm looking for uh, a new strain. We're gonna call it the Truth or the Paul Pierce 34. Uh, right now, like I said, we're in the process of that and just developing that into something that can help people in all areas. And like I said, I'm, I'm hands-on and, and, and all the research and all the things that I'm gonna be doing. Uh, this is not gonna be like, here's my name and you know, throw, <laughs> uh, you know, throw some throw it on a product no i'll be hands-on with everything moving forward uh whether it's a topical whether it's a candy where it's the flower uh you know like i said i've been in this business for the last four or five years owning my own uh, marijuana company in, in which we uh we do wholesale flower now white labeling uh branding for other companies and so you know with this expansion uh with hubcraft I, i'm really looking forward because i i, I haven't personally did my own brand. I've been doing other brands for other people, but I'm, I'm excited to launch my own brand starting with Massachusetts. Yeah, take me back to that. I think it was September 25th, uh, 2000, when you're stabbed 11 times. Um, talk to me about the depression, about the anxiety that you suffered in the wake of that and what led you to cannabis. Man, it was horrible, man. He wouldn't even believe, man. I was like, 
I was stuck in the house. I, I, I just found myself many times just sitting on the couch thinking about my life. Uh, police car sitting out in front of my house, 24 hour surveillance. And I just felt like I, I was like in a box. And the only time I left the house was to go to the gym <laughs> most of the time. And there was times I, I, I sit in the house and I couldn't sleep. I leave to go to the gym. The gym was like 10 minutes from my house, our practice facility. I would go there at two in the morning. That was my only outlet. And it was just like a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of jumping in my sleep. Uh, I still jump in my sleep time to time. I just jump and wake up. <laughs> and I know that's due to the to what happened to me in early 2000 because I never experienced that before. Uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and I've never been big on, on pills. You know, at times, you know, earlier in my years after the incident, I was doing all these prescriptions for sleep, for depression, for anxiety. And I just consistently just didn't keep up with it or, or I just didn't like it. I didn't know what was going into my body. I, I, and it was just affecting my mood swings and stuff. I don't know if it was the pills or what I went through, but it was like mood swings. But when I started doing marijuana, uh, edibles, uh, joints, however I consumed it, I just felt a level of just relaxation, man. I felt like it took my mind off of everything I've been through and it helped me relax. It took away anxiety. It helped me to be able to sleep. And that was big, especially playing sports. If you can't sleep and you're not in a relaxed state of mind or you can't think properly, how are you going to perform at a high level? And so, you know, that's what really, you know, caused me to turn to it. Talk to me about the culture, the cannabis culture in the NBA. Rob and Calvin both estimated that they said 50 to maybe 70 percent of their teams smoked marijuana can you give us a ballpark of how many guys around you around in the NBA you. used to smoke marijuana? Man. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one, man. I I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know how consistently guys did it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure close to a high percentage guys have experimented with it. I mean, you got to understand with marijuana and and, and hip-hop culture and black culture, it's, it's, it's from the time you wake up uh, in, in, in the neighborhoods where you grow up, you know, from guys selling marijuana to guys smoking marijuana outside, you already introduced to it. It's part of our culture. And so, you know, when you get older and you get more responsible, you're taking care of your business, whether it's whether you're doing it for recreation or you're, you're doing it for some actual uh, relief uh, based on levels of, of your injury or, or anxiety or whatever you're dealing with it's always been a part of the black culture. And so if I had to put a number on it, you know, being at the NBA is what, 80, 90% black, I might have to put it at right there. <laughs> 80, 90%. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't seem to I'm be a I'm not saying huge... everybody uses it, but at least at somebody, at some point, maybe experimented with it too. But was there any fear of getting caught with the random testing? I mean, I, for me, it just got to the point like, yeah, I didn't really do a lot of it over the course of the season and more so in the summertime, because that's when, you know, that's when you, you're doing your most rigorous training. That's where you're feeling your most pain. That's where a lot of my sleepless nights come in uh, during the summertime. And, you know, you worry about the drug test. Yeah, it was like you tested randomly four times a year. And so it wasn't like I was really frequent with it. 
And I told people at one point, I was addicted to NyQuil, man, just to sleep. You know, so it was just like, yeah. that That was a problem. And I, and I told the doctors about that and they were just like, they didn't have a solution. They gave you Ambien and all these other pills. And it was just like, man, all right, I'll take my chances of even if it's like once a week or once every two weeks, you know, just to get that one good night's sleep, I would go, I would dive into it. I'm with you. How happy are you about the evolution of the NBA? And now they have, at least for the time being, stopped random testing. And it looks like that's the path forward where the NBA will just take a hands-off approach. Yeah. You know what? I'm very excited because I think that has a lot to do with the NBA and other sports uh, <clears throat> cultures just getting more knowledgeable about what it is and what it can do. Uh, you know, the stigma on it is just like people, when they look at the plant, they just look at it. Oh, you want to smoke a joint? You want to get high? But there's other things to it. Like there's bath bombs. You know, I've taken TAC bath bombs that's relaxed my body. I put on creams. You know, I've taken edibles. You know, there's so many other different ways to consume it. And just let's stop looking at it like a guy just want to go stand outside or sit in his car and smoke a joint. Because there's other ways you can consume it to help you uh, in many different ways. And so uh, I think the NBA has always been uh, a leader, uh, a pioneer at, at change. You know, we saw that with them coming back uh, into a bubble and, you know, other sports organizations following. And they will continue to be, especially the NBA, are the pioneer and leading the way for other sports uh, to follow. And, you yeah. know, if the NBA accept it, accepts it, then you'll see other sports organizations accept it also. Shivani, what do you think the biggest misunderstanding is about cannabis today? Because there are a lot of them. It's a long, long list. Right. I think it's just not being knowledgeable enough. If you look at some of the studies that have been done, look at how many of our soldiers that have had PTSD are on it. Anxiety, sleep deprivation, PTSD, pain. Largest reasons in the USA that we are taking prescription drugs. These are addictive drugs. These are drugs that when you take them, you then have liver problems, kidney problems, heart problems. It's an ongoing list and therefore you must take another drug to patch up what the other one before it did. So that's the misconception. The misconception is that without trying other options, you are labeling it. And perhaps you need to give that a shot. And then you were talking about the NBA. I'm going to applaud what um, Pro Athletics is doing. They're actually putting money into research now of how mm -hmm. this is helping us. And one of the reasons we loved working out of the city of Fitchburg, that's where our big manufacturing facility is going up. Um, they are so interested in us bringing programs for the locals within the East Coast because of addiction. Addiction is so bad. And it's starting at 15, 16, 17 years old. These athletes are being pushed to hit collegiate levels at a very young age. Therefore, they are given a hundred Vicodins every time they have a sprain or a, a pulled muscle or what, do, what are we doing? These are our mm -hmm. babies. What are we doing to our community? We've, we've got to have other options for them. Yeah, the NFL and NFLPA have donated a million dollars. Now, it's not a lot of money when you're a $10 billion league, but I think symbolically, a very powerful gesture to say, we not yep. only are going to reduce our standards, our punishment, but we're going to look into helping athletes with their yes. pain. Granted, it's long overdue, long overdue, but yep. it's nice to see them coming along. Paul, how much do you think is 
really racism that, that held our country back from embracing cannabis laws and from the leagues embracing it as well? Well, I think a lot of it is racism because when you look at all the, the people incarcerated for marijuana charges, most of them, I think a very high percentage are, are black people. And, you know, I just had a friend, let, let me tell you this. I had a friend, a non, he was locked up. He was put in away, he was put away for life. And for not, he was nonviolent crime selling marijuana. He was selling marijuana. Now, which is illegal. You can't sell it without a license. I understand all that, but this is a nonviolent crime that you're going away for life for. And I'm so happy at the, Trump's last day, you know, he got pardoned and, I, and I'm happy he got pardoned. He did already eight years, but he got pardoned. And hopefully, you know, these people who are involved in nonviolent crimes are in jail for life for marijuana there has to be something we can do for them because there's still a lot of them, especially black men that are locked up for life for yeah. nonviolent crimes due to marijuana. So I put a lot of, uh, of it, uh, of the laws uh, based on marijuana on racism. Yeah, a lot of states are looking at complete expungement of marijuana arrests for that reason. And I think a lot of people are looking to get some of those people involved in the industry, which would be helpful. After all, 80 percent of cannabis owners are white people. So it's nice to see people like yourself and Weber and Calvin Johnson and the people we've mentioned get in this business. The strain is called the truth. I'm not sure how many people, Paul, realize the story of the nickname and how you became the truth. Can you recount that for us? Because it's one of my personal favorites. Uh, I think it was in my third year. I believe my third year in the NBA, we were on a road trip playing the Lakers. Uh, and they were the champions, defending champions with Shaq and Kobe. And I, and I came into the Staples and had a career night. And Shaq said, you know, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was this bleep bleep good. And he said, take my words right now. That kid right there, he's the truth. And from that point on, I remember Steve Bullpit wrote the article in the Boston Globe the next day that the, uh, something like the truth prevails or, you know, something about the truth, Paul Pierce. And since then, you know, the crazy thing about it, I didn't even see the article. Next thing I know, I got my friends calling me like, what's up, truth? And I'm like, what? You know, and I was like, you didn't hear what Shaq said? He called you the truth. And so from that point on, you know, if the Shaq, the Shaq, the Diesel, one of the most dominant players to ever play the game gives you a nickname, then you must be doing something right. <laughs> Hey, this ain't network television. I think he said it's the he's the motherfucking truth. The right? motherfucking <laughs> truth. Yeah, he did say that. He did say that. You're well, right. He's not, not, I'm not on ESPN bullshit. no more. I forgot. He's the motherfucking truth. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Don't give me that bleep bleep bullshit. Okay. Have you and Shaq talked about how much that nickname has stuck? I mean, you guys are, I, I assume, still in touch. Do you talk about how much that nickname has stuck with you? You know, Shaq, every time I see him, he was like, you still owe me money for that. You know that, right? Where's his residuals? He wants his residuals. Shivani, look out. Shaq loves money, and he's going to be coming for some of that green now that there's a truth strain, don't you think? Shaq, we are so ready to talk to you. <laughs> no, no, a a Shaq strain, huh? Dave, you were talking about expungements. One of the reasons that um, we we really wanted Paul to be a part of our organization is because that is what we're doing. The Hubcraft just participated with the Boston School of Law, and we just got 150 expungements through. 
this was just last month. Our um, our our COO Noni Goldman, she sits on NCIA, and she uh, led that campaign, and it was just brilliant. And and we've got to be a part of that. We've got to be very committed to our communities that we're doing business in. Paul, you mentioned you're not with ESPN anymore. Did that have to do something with marijuana? You know what? I don't know what it had to do with because I did nothing illegal. Nope. <laughs> you know, I was just at a friend's house having a good time at a poker party. And next thing you know, no more ESPN. But you know what? I, I look at it as a blessing in disguise because now I have an opportunity uh, like like such like one here at Hubcraft to really just go out there and put myself out there and you know let the world know who Paul Pierce is. I think you'll look back at that as a blessing, my friend. I really yes. do. I think a couple of years from now you'll be thankful for it. I was yes. surprised recently, given the way you are idolized in Boston. I was surprised recently to hear Kyrie talk about the the racism uh, that exists in Boston, in particular in the sports culture. And, you know, he had a water bottle thrown at him at the end of a game. But did you experience racism in Boston? And were you surprised at his comments? Yeah, I was, I was a bit surprised. I mean, you've heard stories. You know, if I've heard stories and I've actually sat down and talked about some of the stories with Bill Russell. But in my time there, I really didn't experience any racism. I mean, it was just all love in my time in Boston. You know, wherever I went, you know, my early days from eating at Boston Market to my later days when... Uh, you know, I was going downtown, <laughs> eating at the more fancy restaurant. It's been, it's been nothing but love. And uh, you know, I can I don't know what other players experienced uh, in their time there, but in my mm -hmm. time there, I've never had a chance to, or, or if if that's if that's true, experience the racism in Boston. But since I've been there as a sports figure, it's been nothing but love. Your former team is now without a coach. Do you have any thoughts on who the next coach is? I've heard Nate McMillan thrown around. I've heard your boy Chauncey Phillips thrown around. Man. And the interesting name is Becky Hammond, who would be the first female uh -huh. head coach in the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a wonderful thing that, you know, females uh, are getting the opportunity to coach a, a, a male sport, especially if you know what you're doing, such as somebody more than qualified as Becky Hammond. But in saying that, my ideal choice would be Chauncey Billups. Uh, me knowing Chauncey Billups for a very long time, uh, he actually wore a Boston Celtic, you know, was drafted by the Boston Celtics. I think, uh, you know, he needs to get an opportunity. I've always said Chauncey is a coach in the making or a general manager. He's had general manager offers, but I think on the sideline and where he's well-respected uh, and very – uh, bas very high basketball IQ. I would love to see him in that Boston slot right there. I think that'll be a match made in heaven because I think the players, you know, can relate to Chauncey being that he played in the NBA. He's still young uh, and, and he's very respectable in the NBA world. I played against Chauncey at George Washington. He went to George Washington High School. I had never seen a player take the ball from behind his back, faking a pass, and lay it in and just make all of us look foolish. But probably the smartest player, to your point, I can remember covering in my day, always could see the floor and analyze everything in front of him. He would be a great choice. Who wins the NBA title this year? Is it just the Nets if they're healthy? But if they're not, who you got? You know, um, 
I said the Nets, if they're healthy, but I don't think they're going to be healthy. I've just learned that James Harden will play tonight, but who knows how healthy he'll be. I think, personally, we're going to see, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, we're going to see the Phoenix Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Whoa. And Phoenix Suns will be the champs this year. I'm saying that because I love Chris Paul. I think he's long overdue for his respect. Uh, and I think he's going to carry that Phoenix team to a championship this year. I'm from Denver, so that hurts <laughs> a little bit. We were swept out of the playoffs. You must have, though, Phoenix Suns pride aside, been infuriated with the MVP getting tossed for what wasn't even a technical in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty bad. I mean, you got to give the, if that, we all know, if that was like LeBron and KD, uh, that wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, Joker, even though he's MVP, he still has a lot of respect he has to earn uh, amongst his colleagues and amongst the refs in the NBA before he gets his just due. Hopefully that could be a learning experience for him. But, uh, you know, like I said, if that was LeBron or KD, they wouldn't have got thrown out like that. I'm not sure they even would have been teed up myself. Right. I thought that was some bullshit. You mentioned James Harden. And what's interesting to me about James is, look, one of the all-time greats, no question. But he missed three playoff games, which what's being described with hamstring tightness. Paul yeah. Pierce once left the game on a wheelchair and came back in in the very game. You played 82 games after being stabbed. Yeah. Are players just soft today? Is hard and soft? Or is the game somehow harder? I just think that the way that these coaches, these GMs, baby their players, they become a lot more soft. You know, like I said, when I came out of – I had a straight meniscus, you know, and I applaud Embiid right now playing on a, on a straight meniscus because I know what that feels like. Uh, and, you know, none of these injuries you can really play with, but if you're mentally tough and you want to win, you'll get out there now. I don't know the extent of James Harden's uh, injury and hamstrings can be very delicate, but in saying all this, this, this error is super soft. I'm not going to even lie to you. <laughs> I mean, but I think that has a lot to do with the, the rule changes. Also, you can't be physical. And, you know, the thing is these apps, they're not as competitive as they used to be. I look at a lot of these players, they're, they're business. They're, they're not competitors. You know, if they get that big check and Kevin Garnett said it best, and this will always stick to me. If you want to see who the great players are, are in the league, Give them a shitload of money. And then you'll see who the real ballers are. Because you see a lot of guys that get paid that contract, then all of a sudden that production go away. You know what I'm talking about, too. My friend Sean King, who's a former NFL quarterback, says you can, you can look across the league and see the guys that got paid, and they are done. And you'll right. see that in all sports. It really LeBron James was talking about Space Jam after exiting the playoffs, man. He was promoting a movie <laughs> post-game. Would you ever have done that? Like I said, they businessmen now more than competitors. I'm telling you, they businessmen more than competitors. My era, the era before, the eras before that were all competitors. The money has gotten so out of control, they just like, we're, this is business, so I'm going to take some rest today and come back tomorrow. And it's not, and, and, I, and, I, and that's why I enjoy players like Greek Freak, 
Russell Westbrook because they lay it on the line every single night. And, though, you know, Draymond Green, he's in there too. They compete. And those are the players that I like to watch and follow. Yeah, no doubt about that. Will Giannis win a title? A guy that can't shoot threes and is bad at the stripe, can he ever win a title? Absolutely. Hey, Shaquille O'Neal won a title, right? He couldn't With shoot Kobe. threes. It, yeah, that well, Giannis got to get that Kobe-like player. If he get a player like that over there, then yes. But until then, I'm not so sure if he could be the lone he could be the lone superstar like Dirk Nowitzki did and win the championship. Okay, I, I want to ask you quickly about uh, the big three. That was when I was in Boston. Uh, what started the super team era, really? Uh, you guys win the NBA championship. Is has the hatchet been buried? Are you and Ray and KG all boys again, or is Ray still on the outs? <laughs> I'm cool with Ray. You know, I can't speak for what Kevin's relationship is with Ray uh, right now. Uh, I'm sure at some point or another, if it's not mended by now, it will be. Uh, but, you know, bygones will be bygones with me. You know, we accomplished something special together, and that's something that's going to be forever. So, uh, you know, I, I buried the hatchet, but as far as with KG, Rondo, and the rest of the guys, that's something that they got to, you know, do on their own. That's too bad because we need a documentary on the big three, just like Jordan's was. It will yeah. be every bit as good, and, and I will be happy to direct it. Last question before we get Shabani uh, back in on the cannabis conversation. It's you attended the Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather celebrity boxing fight, which I found <laughs> fascinating. So when you step in the ring, what, what celebrity or former player would you like to fight? <laughs> oh, but I like to fight. Wow, that's a good one, man. You know, I don't have no enemies out there, man. Oh, Come on. Man, that's a good one. No uh, enemies? You know, it'd be a good match. I'm going to have to go with Ron Artest, man, because I hate the way he blew that kiss in game seven at, uh, <laughs> at me. Oh, man, that, that still sticks to me. When he blew the kiss in game seven to put us away, I have to say, Ron, you know, we, me and him are cool friends too, but, man, we, we, we may need to get in the ring and go one round or something for that. Oh, Paul Pierce, Ron Artest, could you knock him out? How would that go down? <laughs> man, uh, would you knock him out? Oh, man, that'll be a tough knockout, but I think I can outpoint him. <laughs> uh, okay shivani tell us when we can expect the truth line and what should we be so excited for i think end of this year is when you can expect it to start hitting the dispensaries in massachusetts just a matter of how much production we can get going there's obviously a very big demand for variety and quality out there in massachusetts um and edibles is where it's starting for paul Edibles is where it's starting, and, and that's yeah. where we'll leave it, Paul. What, what is it about the edibles? Are they for just socialist, socializing, for enjoying? Or are these um, directed at pain medication? Everything. Everything. We're, we're, for, every, for all walks of life, you know? Uh, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> gummies, brownies, what? Right. Gummies. Gummies, gummies, candy, baked um, goods. I think with edibles, the biggest thing to know is that it allows people to microdose and learn exactly what their body can tolerate and what their bodies need versus taking a larger amount that might not suit them or would suit them. So it just allows them at a smaller level. And again, it 
it Paul is um, bringing this for anybody and everybody. He's not targeting um, age. He's not targeting sports. He's not targeting anything like that. He wants to bring a product that, uh, you know, Massachusetts is a a product that, everybody can trust, whether it be for recreation or medicinal. And that's the key point, Paul, because so many people have had a bad experience with an edible because they accidentally took a 20 milligram gummy and right. boom, their night was over and they ended up out of state <laughs> and right. with the tattoo. That's <laughs> not the way edibles work today. To Shivani's point, you microdose yes. and you maintain a nice high throughout the afternoon or evening or whatever it is. Guys, right. it's been a great pleasure. The truth line coming late this year it'll blow up next year from the hubcraft paul we can't wait to see you back in boston back in green and in the hall of fame in september thank you guys all right absolutely it was good talking to you